It is so good to be together um, here in this building and those of us that are gathered online. Welcome. We're, we're glad that you're here. It is my privilege today to be the one to read the text um, that we're studying this morning. And it's found in the Gospel of Luke in the first chapter. Um, we're going to start at verse 39. And so if you want to just close your eyes and listen, please feel free to do that if you want to follow along in your own Bible or the words will be on the screen behind me as well. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah, and she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed, for he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her home. Good morning, everyone. Oh, man, is it good to see your faces. Oh. We do still exist. We're not just all virtual humanoids. Um, I'm going to pray. Um, thank you so much for being here. Uh, there are some things on our hearts that need prayer. Would you agree? Yeah. All right, let's, let's lean into him in prayer. Lord, we are um, so grateful for your sovereignty and your goodness. Oh, you are so good. You are trustworthy. You're full of love and mercy. And, uh, we can trust in you. And Lord, there's just some local things that we need to lay before you um, that um, we need help. We need grace. Uh, think about our schools, Lord. And as they try to figure out how to take care of kids and their education, and um, they need help. They need strength. They need wisdom and insight. I thank you, Father, for those people that serve um, in the, on the school board as administrators in the local schools, the teachers, those kids, Lord. We lift them to you and pray uh, the very best for them, God. Uh, we're needing you. Pray for parents, Lord, as they try to figure out what to do with the um, craziness of schedules. I pray that you'd give them grace. I pray that you'd give them confidence uh, that you are able to provide and lead them. 
I pray for our local church ministries as Kirsten and her team, as Jen and her team, as Carl and his team really try to figure out how to best do the ministry of the word and of fellowship and prayer and spiritual growth. Uh, They need insight, God. Would you bless them with that? And again, would you give them that quiet confidence in your presence and your willingness and your ability uh, to help us. Lord, there's many other things that are on hearts in this room and who are listening online. Um, We lift our hearts to you today and pray that you would do what you do uh, when uh, we submit ourselves and when we feed ourselves on your word. And so, Lord, have your way in the name of Jesus. And everybody says... Amen. I just had a couple swigs of Gatorade before I came up here. (laughs) Like I need that, right? Hey, it is so good to be in the Word with you this morning. Um, Have you noticed, did I just mess up the whole thing by moving that? I see these, now that I moved it, I see these dots up here. Who cares about the dang dots, right? (laughs) Oh boy, I'm in trouble now. That's why we have staff meetings on Tuesday to tell Joe what to do differently. Yeah, (laughs) next time, no. Um, Would you agree that babies change pretty much everything? (laughs) Right? I mean, it sounds so romantic. Get married, have a baby. (laughs) Sounds so romantic. I remember when we had our first child, Marla, who is now 33, I think, maybe 34. You lose count after a while. And it was December 10th, 1985. And I remember, wow, it was awesome. Um, You know, we're going to have a a baby in the house. And uh, Mary Beth was actually exercising at the YMCA. And uh, she went into labor. And her doctor (coughs) happened to be at the YMCA. And um, gave her a ride in his BMW to the hospital. And they had, and and we had this baby. I I was at seminary. Mary Beth had our car. Now the car, our only car, is at the YMCA in another suburb. I'm going to seminary in another suburb. And the hospital is in another suburb. So we're all over the place, and they're trying to find me. And this is before we almost had telephones at that point. We certainly didn't have cell phones. And so they searched for me, and I, was, I am so proud to tell you they found me in the... Yes! I was like, I am so good, because they're going to tell everybody. Wow, we found him in the library, right? Yeah, that one time I went to the library during seminary. It's like... And so we go to the hospital, and, and uh, Marla was born cesarean. She was not the right, her feet were coming out first, and so uh, we had to do a C-section. And when, they got, when she came out, she came out and she looked like a hurdler. One leg was tucked like this, and the other one was, I could hurt myself, i got to be careful. It was like a hurdler. She came out like that, and I'm looking at my baby, and I'm like, what is wrong with my baby? You know, I mean, she, just, she was like doing this thing. Is she going to be a hurdler? What is going on? But this young woman, for the next five years, kept my wife and I from sleep. 
it's amazing. It's an immaculate conception that we had our second child. We had some major birth control going on because of no sleep. Babies change everything. The babies that we're going to talk about this morning change everything for eternity. And so when we talk about uh, Mary and we talk about Elizabeth and, and about Mary rushing in haste to go and visit Elizabeth, why did she do that? Well, I don't think, well, f- first of all, Joseph's like, right? What would you be if you were Joseph? We're not married, you're pregnant, and you tell me that God gave you that shot, right? Joseph's like, okay, and then the angel does come. We, not, in, not in Luke, but in Matthew. The angel does come and have a conversation with, with Joseph, so that, that makes it at least cool, right? And Joseph says, okay, 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 I'm willing to do the hard thing here, but the baby is changing everything. And, and so Mary rushes. Why does she rush to Elizabeth? Who else is she going to talk to? <laughs> right? Her neighbors, her mom and her dad, they don't know what to do with her. Um, she hears about Elizabeth is pregnant and the miraculous thing that happened with Zechariah and Elizabeth. And, and that this child in Elizabeth was going to be the forerunner, prophetic, the uh, the word fulfilled, um, John the Baptist would come before Jesus and prepare the way as is prophesied. These babies are incredible. Uh, and don't you love the story? Because as soon as Mary arrives, some really incredible things happen. One baby in Mary, and by this, this time, Mary is at the most a week pregnant, y'all. And John the Baptist in the womb of Elizabeth leaps. <laughs> when does life begin? I know we were there last week. I know we were there last week. And then talks about the joy. I love it that the first time on planet Earth that Jesus shows up and has an impact on another human being, they leap and have joy. Your God in heaven wants you to, at his coming to you, leap for joy. You do not deserve this mercy. You cannot do without this grace. It brings incredible joy to the human soul. I I know you got masks on. I hope you're smiling. Because we have so much to smile about. No matter what the circumstances, no matter if nobody understands the love that we have for God through Christ, the love that Mary had for the promise and the word of God and the trust she had, the belief that she had, nobody else understood. But Mary understood the word of God. And it's the same for some of you in circles that you run in. Nobody understands you. You have this incredible joy and this incredible, wonderful blessing going on in your life. But few people really get it, right? Even really close people to you sometimes. Even sometimes other believers, right? How can you be so excited? Look what's going on in our culture. And you're like, I just got joy. I'm sorry, right? Because we have a joy that's anchored not in circumstances on the planet. We have joy that's anchored in the promise of God. 
Anybody need a promise during these days? I do. Well, we got a lot of them. And so this baby changes everything. Now, you know what? You know what we say around here, right? Jesus is the most important person in the... Okay, not in this text, right? Jesus is the most important person in the... (laughs) Isn't it fun? I just thought, you you don't care. I I got joy. And if you all don't follow me, all right. I mean, when I saw that this week in the text, I'm like, that just makes me smile. I know, man. See See how boring it is in my office? (laughs) No, it's not boring, man. These are the best weeks when Daniel or Carl or Chad or I have the privilege of sitting at the feet of Jesus in his word and just letting it speak to us. Um, I'm glad you're here to kind of maybe learn something, but on one hand, that doesn't matter to me. God has been cleansing and encouraging and strengthening my heart just as a result of just being in his word. And I hope that you're willing to say, Come, Lord Jesus, with your promises. Come with both barrels. I need some blessing. I need some strength. I need some wisdom. I need some insight. I need some reminders. I need need a new song. In Psalm 96, this is is one of the things that was going on in Israel. There was a new song, it said. And sometimes we need a new song, don't we? In times like this, you and I need a new song. It'll be a song anchored in the promises and the principles of God's word. So don't get me wrong there. But there's going to be a freshness, right? Because God is always on the move. He's always working. And his will will never be frustrated. His kingdom will. Right? Nothing can stand against him. He is so for you. In Christ? Are you responding to him in the humility that we see experience with Elizabeth and with Mary? Do things need to change in our world? Do things need to change in our world? Do things need to change in our world? Do things need to change in your world? (laughs) You hesitate just a little bit, don't you? Right? I want everything else to change. Just talk to Mary for a little bit. Change is dangerous and sometimes violent, scary. But you need to be transformed. I need to be transformed into the image of Jesus Christ day by day by day. And frankly, that is a violent event to my flesh. Are you fo- anybody following me? I want my way. I want the traffic to go my way. I want the parking lot to go my way. I don't want to stand in line. It's almost like God has us look in the mirror and we kind of see a little bib around our neck. Right? You're such an infant, Joe. <laughs> Does, does the word ever do that to you? And it's not because I don't know it. It's because I still think things ought to go my way. Even after all these 44 years of walking with Jesus, I still have to wake up. 
I have walked with Jesus. I know it doesn't seem possible that someone as immature as I could have walked with Jesus for 44 years. I know I came to know Christ when I was minus three years old. I can't help it. We we got some blind people in the back that can't actually see how stinking old I am up here. Don't ask me to hop. (laughs) Don't ask me to jump. Mm. So things need to change. Would you agree? All right, there are two things that never change. People struggling and God saving. Isn't that true? And you and I struggle every day of our life. If we do not recognize our struggle, we are actually deceiving ourselves. Because there's always some more for Joe McConkie to grow in every relationship that I have. There are things for me to learn, principles for me to apply, promises for me to move forward based on. I, am, I have got to be in constant transformation if Jesus is getting his way in my life, okay? And so the, there's two things that never change, right? People struggling. Do you agree with that, at least conceptually? I know uh, not you, you don't struggle, but other people, everybody else around you is struggling. If they would just understand and see life the way that you do, life would be so good, right? Huh? Do you ever do that? Do you ever kind of put blame on somebody else? <coughs> oh, nobody in the room has ever <laughs> blamed someone else. Thank you very much. We have two honest human beings. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right? I mean, this is our default setting. That was not my fault. My dad, if my dad would have treated me better, I would fill in the blank. If my mom would have, right? I mean, so, so the big macro things, macro things in our life and the minute things in our life. Well, I, I would have I behaved better then, but she did or she didn't. He should have. Oh, that, that church ruined my life. Well, that teacher, that teacher, my coach, never played me. Never mind, I was a, an idiot in practice. I was good. And my dad told me, right? <clears throat> so, you and I are in a, in a perpetual situation that we need to be like Mary humble before the Lord. Mm-hmm. Humility is a pathway to spiritual growth. Humility is a pathway towards leadership. Humility is a passageway through having influence on other people. It does not work any other way. So let's, let's look a little bit at this test. So there's two things that never change, right? People struggling, God saving, two things necessary for lasting change. The first one, one it's humility every time. It's humility, not part of the time. It's not humility when I think it's okay for me to be humble when everybody else is setting it up so that I should be humble. It's humility in Christ all of the time. And the second thing, if I'm going to experience lasting change, is believing that God will do what he promises every time. Two things necessary for lasting change in your life. It's always going to be through the pathway of humility, first of all. Mm -hmm. You want to become a better spouse, a better partner, 
You want to be, be a better worker. You want to be a better parent or child. The, the, the pathway is always through humility. And here's why, because and, and James, the half-brother of Jesus Christ, and Peter, the apostle Peter, say it this way. God is always opposed to the, oh, you even know the passage. We even know what the Bible says. But he gives grace to the, wow, we know that. And it's true 100% of the time. God is always opposed to your bad pride. So here's the interesting thing about growth in Christ, as we saw happening and transpiring in Mary's life and Elizabeth's life, is that when you take, when you lead your life based on humility, a right understanding of who you are before God, that's a good definition of humility, you lead with humility, what always follows is this thing that Isaiah chapter 29 says is quiet confidence. That's the good kind of pride. Pride. So pride in and of itself is not bad. But there is a bad pride. Mm -hmm. And when we lead with pride, we always stunt our growth and we, we leave behind us a wake that we wish we did not have. Anybody? You know, not, God is not the only one who is opposed to the proud. So are you. Would you agree? Yeah. Or do you like it when people are haughty? Do you like it when people are, they know they're all that and they're letting you know they're all that? You like that? No. You see, you're made in the image of God. You already know in, in terms of relationships with other, other people how, how it works. And the Word of God continually confirms these truths that we learn in real life, right? God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. The way forward is always humility. And so when Mary is ready to sing her song after this time with Elizabeth, she starts out her song by this. And by the way, this, this was a new song. Now there's bits and pieces of it of theological truth found in Psalm 103, Psalm 34, some out of Psalm 27. There's even some of, of Moses' songs written back and recorded in the book of Deuteronomy. P bits and pieces, but this is a new song. And Mary sings this new song. My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the proud estate. Is that what it says? Oh, uh, do, you, do we need to start this whole message all over? No. Come on. Yeah. It does not say the proud estate, does it? The humble estate. You look on my humble estate. <clears throat> For behold, from now on, all generations will call me... Anybody want blessing? Anybody want blessing? How come so many people aspire to things but do not attain it? Why is that? Because we don't understand the two things that never change. People struggle. God always saves. And because the pathway to the blessing and the favor of God is always through pride, right? It's through humility. 
It's always staying low, like, like Pastor Chad. His, his statement to probably you've heard him say it, certainly on the staff level and our interns know that one of the axioms of our ministry is that we are going to intentionally stay low. We're going to choose not to take offense when maybe our flesh wants to take offense. We're going to choose to listen and try to understand rather than to be understood and heard. We're going to stay low. We're going to leave room for God to work. Because who needs to work? God. Not what Joe wants. And so this pathway is through this humility. <clears throat> and we all want this blessing. The, the song goes on in verse 52. It says this. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. God is actually, in, in 2 Chronicles 16, 9, if you're taking notes, I, I would look at that text. God, it says God's eyes are m moving to and fro throughout the whole earth that he might strongly support those whose hearts are humble before him. What is God looking for? What is God's will for me? The answer to that, in, in the first three answers to that, whatever the, the, the most five important things are, it's top three, humility. God is looking for a humble heart. We all want confidence, don't we? And the only pathway to lasting confidence is going to be through humility, humbling yourself before a mighty God, before his mighty hand, so that at the proper time he can exalt you. You don't exalt yourself. You let him do all that work. Anybody want this? Anybody need that? I, I know you want everybody at work to have this. <laughs> right? And so what, what Mary was exemplifying and it, it's what she was, was expressing and declaring in her song was that she discovered something very important about how to respond to God. And it's always the Humility. It's always giving him plenty of room to do what he wants, not what I want to do. And don't we, don't we pray that prayer? His will be done. Not my will be done. That's, that's, the, art of, that's the attitude of humility before God. And didn't Jesus constantly model this for us? Not, not my will, but your will be done, God. Even though I am going to experience the fire of God and the wrath of God, on behalf of the human race, which I do not deserve, I'm willing to take that because I want your will to be done. I'm going to humble myself even, even to the point of death, even death on a tree. Jesus modeled the way to lasting change and impact in your life and through your life, and it's always through humility. The other thing is it is belief in and obedience to God's word and his promises. In the previous narrative that Chad spoke on, in verse, I want you to look at a compare and contrast for me. So Zechariah, remember he's a high priest, he's in there, he sees this vision, he's like, whoa, this has not happened for 400 plus years that the Lord has spoken 
to anyone. And now God has shown up on this day, this obscure day, this obscure person, quite frankly. He was a priest that lived in the hill country. We don't even know what town he lived in. We can't even pinpoint that. <laughs> An obscure human being in the temple by lots was chosen. And so that Gabriel comes and says in verse Nine, I stand in the presence of God and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news, the word of God from God through Gabriel to Zechariah, okay? And behold, let's see, so I was sent to speak this word and bring this good news to you. And behold, verse 20 says this, and behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day of these, thing, these things take place because, underline this if, you, if you're an underliner in your Bible, because you did not believe my words. How significant is the word of God to you? Is it your lifeblood? Is it your spiritual nourishment? There, there is no other spiritual nourishment according to Jesus Christ, Moses, the, the, the testimony of Scripture and all of the, the narratives. It is about me understanding what God's Word says and following through in faith and obedience. Always. It's always that way. And so, Zechariah, because you did not believe the word that God spoke to you through me, you're going to be silent until the day of this child's birth. Uh, on one hand, you're like, Zechariah kind of got off easy, right? And then when you kind of put yourself in the narrative, you're like, thank you, God, that it wasn't worse, right? Could have been worse. Deserved worse. I tell you, I deserve worse than I get. Anybody else? But God comes to me with his incredible grace and his patience and his kindness and his mercy. Mm. And then at the, the, the very last passage in, in, in the narrative that we looked at last week, in verse 38, we're still in Luke 1, and Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Wow. Is that the sentiment of your heart? Is that the cry of your heart? If you're like me, you approach the word sometimes like, be it done to me according to your word if I'm okay with it. <laughs> huh? Anybody else? Am I in some company here? You know, your word is really hard on this point. <clears throat> I'm not sure I want to submit myself that much to it. Can we do some Christian local church kind of adjustment to it. Like, nobody else does that, God. Huh? Parents? Nobody else has to do that. Right, you kids? You know, the bib comes back out. <laughs> Lord says, just grow up, Joe. You know what God's word says? You know how much he loves you? You know that it's going to be hard? 
But step out in obedience, Joe. Like Mary did. Isn't it, is it interesting to anybody that the, the men in this particular, except the baby boys, the men are silenced in this narrative for several verses in, in, in Luke. And the Lord had a way through the women at the, at, in this particular narrative. <clears throat> so if God speaks a word to you, no matter if you're a male or a female, follow through in obedience to it. Test it certainly with your friends. This is, what I, this is what the Lord is saying to me. Bring it to that friend that you know that will listen to you. God is speaking to you, his word. He's interpreting for you in situations that you're in right now. God is so intimately acquainted with every part of who we are. Would you agree? He is, he is just like sometimes holding the floodgates back of blessing because we are not willing to humble ourselves, know what his word says, believe it, and walk it out in obedience. Mary was experiencing the blessing of God like crazy in this text. And she's magnifying the name of the Lord because she was humble before God. She believed what, what God spoke to her. And she was experiencing what we all long to, long to, what we all aspire to, right? Why so many of us aspire but don't attain? And I am presenting to you today two reasons. A lack of humility before God and a lack of obedience to his word. I think that is what Mary models for us in this narrative and in her song. When Jesus could have chosen so many different nouns to talk about his followers. He chose the noun in the, in the Greek language. It's, it's transliterated mathetos. And we translate that word, that noun, to be disciple. In the verb form of that, and I know I'm not any good at grammar either, so, so just, just know that. I'm not trying to be smarter than I am. I'm not very smart. But when, when, you, when you turn that noun, mathetos, into a verb, so an action, a thing into an action, what we say in what we translate is that this mathetos is a verb form learner. It's an interesting concept. Did you know that believers and followers of Jesus Christ are to be the opposite of know-it-alls? But that is not what our culture sees the evangelical church like. And I would like for us to change that. I would like us to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. I would like for us to understand what God's word does and walk it out in obedience. 
And when a person that's not part of the kingdom, not part of the local church, wants to talk with us, let's be way more interested in humbling ourselves before them and listening and understanding them before we begin yapping about what we think they need to know. It's, Mary is modeling for us something beautiful in this text that's, I think, very relevant for us today. God has established it this way, hasn't he? The humble end up reigning, the proud end up humbled. It'll all work out in the end. It doesn't feel like that right now, does it? Right? Right now, the, the, the construct that we live in is a rich get richer, right? Yeah. This is not the way that it's going to be for the, for the majority of your existence in Christ. The powerful get more powerful. <laughs> not according to Mary's song. Not according to Old and New Testament prophecy about the coming kingdom of God. God wakes up to the human soul that is broken before him, not the one that's haughty before him. So the call of this text, I believe, and to begin experiencing the certainty that our author Luke wants us to experience, we've got to humble ourselves before God and before one another. We've got to continue to seek God in his word, understand what it says, and apply it way more than we tell other people what they ought to do. Can I have an amen? amen? This is really the way forward in our culture. Do not look for a megaphone right now as an evangelical Christian. Look for a towel. Go serve some people. Go listen to them and love them. This is the way forward. Worship team, if you'd come on up. I'm certain about some things. I wrote some things down that I'm certain about. I'm like, oh shoot, he got his notes back out. <laughs> I know that. I just, I did. And when I did that, I said, I'm totally setting them up right now. <laughs> I am certain nothing is impossible with God. Can I have an amen? amen? Even for this baby still in the womb, nothing is impossible for God. What impossible situation are you in? I am certain I can trust his word on every, uh, over every other word spoken. I am certain that doing his will is the outcome of genuine faith. What are you resisting that you know that he wants in your life? I am certain that he can do exactly what he promises to do in my life. I am certain that he is faithful and that he will do it. Whatever the promise says, whatever the principle is, I believe he will do it. I am certain that man's pride repels the presence of God and brings his wrath. In what ways are you prideful? The bad kind of pride. I am certain that all people struggle and that God desires to save every person. It is your choice to know and trust him. I am certain that I have a meaningful life because of the certainty of my faith in the sovereignty of God in his word. What are you certain about? 
I also know this. He wants to bless you beyond your imagination. So I want you to stand up right now. Stand up, please. I want you to receive a blessing this morning from God, through our musicians. I want you to receive a blessing from him this morning. Humble yourself before God. Let him speak his word over you. As you experience that blessing, man, bless the people around you by, by singing it over them as well. Deal? Amen. All right, let's do this. Mm-hmm.